Our passage today is James 5, 13 through 18. If you have your Bible, I invite you to turn with me there, or you'll find the text printed in your bulletin. We're nearing the end of James' letter, and as we have been seeing, it is a dense letter. It is full of wisdom. In the passage before us, as Connie mentioned to the kids, James is teaching us about prayer, and we find the phrase, the prayer of faith. And at the outset, it seems like, oh, that might be some kind of special prayer that only certain people have access to. But as we work through this text, I want us to see how this is for all believers who trust in Christ. Before I read this text, let me pray and ask for the Lord's blessing and his help. Gracious God, you've told us that we are to live not by bread alone, but by every word that comes from your mouth. Lord, would you open our eyes to see wondrous things in your holy word? Speak, Lord, for your servants listen. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Here now the reading of God's word, James 5, starting in verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. The grass withers and the flowers fade. The word of our God remains forever. Evangelist Oral Roberts said that the best piece of advice that he ever received on the subject of prayer came from his mother. Oral Roberts was 17 years old at the time, and he was very, very sick. He was uh, disabled, and his mom said, Oral, you must give yourself to God. God can help you now. Only God can help you. And you must pray. But I don't know how to pray, Mom, he said. Well, you don't have to know how to pray. Just talk to God out of your heart. Tell him what you feel inside. That's what it takes to pray. Years later, Oral Roberts said, After all these years, I have not been able to improve on my mother's advice. Just talk to God out of your heart. I can only add, talk to God as a person. Prayer is an important part of the Christian life. We know that we're supposed to pray. In fact, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. And prayer is often hard for us. Here in James 5, we find instruction on prayer. And James calls it in verse 15, the prayer of faith. And I think we're prone to over-spiritualize this. But don't worry, James does not have such an idea in mind. He shows us that this prayer of faith is for every believer. You know, James' instruction on prayer here is a fitting way to bring his letter to a close. If you have your Bible open, look back just a couple pages to how he begins in chapter 1. James 1, starting in verse 2, it says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. 
And then in chapters 4, in the first half of chapter 5, he unpacks more of what these trials look like. Verse, chapter 4, verse 10 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Prayer for healing that James talks about here in our passage requires that humility he mentioned earlier. And I think this text is a very timely one for us as a congregation, given that so many people have been sick lately. We have three different folks in the hospital right now, and the Lord and his providence months ago as I was planning out this series would have this text for today, because God knows best. As we walk through this text, I want us to see how James lays out the why of prayer, the how of prayer, and the hope of prayer. So first, the why of prayer. Why do we pray? And more specifically, why should we pray for healing as James talks about in this passage? Well, there's two main reasons. The first is very obvious. We pray for healing because we are needy. You might think that that goes without saying, but I think it's important to reiterate because we're prone to forget that or to push it down. No, I'm not needy. I'm just fine. How does James begin Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him. And it's verse 16. He says, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. In other words, we find four needs that elicit prayer. Suffering, cheerfulness, sickness, and sin. And at various times in our lives, we face these different situations. The word suffering is a generic term that refers to trials and difficulties. The the most absence of the word is for physical ailments, but I think it goes beyond that. It could be grief, anxiety, or depression. It can even refer to spiritual issues like feeling distant from the Lord or a lack of love for God. Suffering can come from within ourselves or it can come from without, from other people or from just life in a broken, fallen, sinful world. How does James say we're to respond to suffering? He says pray. Knowing that we're prone to complain or to worry or to be discouraged, James challenges us to combat those responses with another response, prayer. Next, he says Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. I don't know if you've ever thought about it or not, but singing praise is really another form of prayer. It's a prayer of praise set to tune, set to music. But John, I don't sing. I couldn't carry a tune in a bucket, you might say. It doesn't matter. The command is not just to those who sing well. I've said it before, but I'll say it again. All throughout Scripture, we find the command to sing. If we don't sing praise to God, then it's blatant disobedience to His Word. I think it's fascinating that here in a section on trials and suffering that James mentions cheerfulness. Obviously, this is intentional, but why? Well, it's a simple fact that when things are hard, prayer comes easy. But when things are relatively easy, prayer is hard. We often pray when we need God, but when things are going well, we tend to forget our need. The story is told of two Irishmen, Pat and Mike, who nearly escaped death when their boat uh, began to sink, and they were floundering in the icy ocean water, clinging to boards from their boat. 
And Pat was addicted to the grossest profanity that anyone could ever hear. And he thought that he ought to repent of that, and then the Lord would come and rescue him. Mike thought that his theology was pretty sound, and so Pat begins to pray, but just before arriving to the main thesis of his repentant prayer, Mike spotted a ship coming to rescue them. Mike hollered, hold it, Pat. Don't commit yourself. Here's a ship. Pat immediately stopped praying. Isn't that the way many of us are? The only time we pray is when we need something, and as soon as things improve, we forget God and we fail to pray. That ought not be the case. Singing praise to God helps you pray when things are going well. Then James says that the sick ought to call the elders to pray over them. Disease and disability ran rampant at this time because there wasn't the advances of modern medicine. People were more sick and the life expectancy was a lot shorter. Yet even today with all the advances of medical technology, there's still an abundance of sickness and disease, suffering. Many of us have been sick recently, and some have ongoing ailments that make life really difficult. When we're sick, it's tempting just to go to the medicine cabinet and, or to go to urgent care to get a prescription so that we feel better. That's certainly important, but we must not neglect the best medicine, prayer. Prayer certainly doesn't replace medical treatment. We're not Christian scientists, but we must never seek medical help and neglect crying out to God for help. The final need we have is sin. James talks about sin in verse 15. He says, and if he's committed sins, he will be forgiven. The point here is that sin and sickness are at times related. Are they always related? No. Should we seek to find a sin every time we get sick? Oh, what did I do to cause this? No, Scripture's clear that's not always the case. But at times, they are related. It could be a pretty obvious example, like cirrhosis of the liver due to drunkenness, or it could be something more behind the scenes. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11 that some of the believers, the church in Corinth, were sick because they had partaken of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. The fact of the matter is that we are all needy. And so we're called to pray because of our needs. Men, we don't like to admit that we're needy, do we? We don't want to ask for help. We don't want to read the instructions. But no matter who you are, you're needy. And needy people pray. Do you recognize that you are needy? The other reason we pray is because God is powerful. You see, it's not just enough to realize that you are needy because many non-Christians recognize there's an element of need and yet a lot of them don't pray. And sometimes we don't pray for healing either. Why? I think because sometimes we act like unbelievers and we doubt that God actually will bring healing. But God is powerful. In fact, he's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. Job 42.2 says, I know that you can do all things, that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. In Matthew 19, 26, Jesus says, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Isaiah 40, 28 says, Have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. 
Friends, our God is powerful. When we pray, we rely on God to do what only God can do. It means that we relinquish control and we turn it over to him. Do you believe that God is powerful? No, I mean, do you really believe that? How would your prayers look different if you genuinely believe that God is all-powerful and that he actually cares about what you're going through or what someone you love is going through? Remember, God is not too busy for you. He can handle multiple requests at the same time. It doesn't matter how big or small your need of healing is. There's no situation too small for prayer. Bring it to God in prayer. Because we are needy and God is powerful, we pray. That's the why. But now let's think about the how of prayer. How do we pray? And more specifically, how do we pray for healing as James describes here in our text? Well, James is pretty generic in how this should look. He simply says, pray. Think back to Oral Roberts' comments. What his mom said, just talk to God out of your heart. When we face suffering, trials, loss, sickness, and any other difficulty, we need to cry out to God in prayer. Notice that James doesn't tell us exactly what to pray. There's not a formula. Pray these specific words and you'll be healed. Pray at this time, in this manner, in this place, on your knees, or lying prostrate. No, it's just one word. Pray. I think sometimes we overcomplicate prayer. We think we need to be super articulate. We need to be very eloquent when we pray. The story is told of a minister who was in the habit of profound prayers, oftentimes going far beyond the understanding of his simple congregation. This went on week after week, much to the dismay of the people in the pews. At last, a wee Scottish woman in the choir ventured to take matters into her own hands. One Sunday, as the pastor was vexing the most eloquent prayers, she reached across the curtain separating the choir and the pulpit, and she grabbed the minister by the robe, and she whispered, just call him father and ask him for something. Don't y'all get any ideas now. We can be like this, right? But Jesus challenges us in Matthew 6, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Instead of elaborate words or feeling like we can't pray because we don't have those words, we just offer simple prayers for God to work. Are you in the practice of regularly praying for physical healing for yourself, for your family, for members of the congregation? We shouldn't just pray as individuals. We're also to pray corporately. Remember verse 14, let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. The elders as the spiritual leaders in the church are called to lead and part of that leading is through prayer. Elders, you're to be in prayer for the people in this church. Do you pray for your district? you're active on the session do you pray for the needs when the staff prayer list goes out every other week are you praying for the needs of this church i hope so 
James instructs those who are sick to call the elders. So probably those who are very sick, potentially bedridden, and says call them to pray and to anoint with oil. I think we tend to be very private people. We don't want anybody to know how we're suffering, and so we're scared to share this with anyone, much less to call the elders to pray for us. James mentions anointing with oil. Olive oil was used at times for medicinal purposes, but I don't think that's what James has in mind here. So there seems to be a spiritual nature to this action. Anointing with oil is consecrating a person to the Lord, saying, God, you alone can bring healing. Anointing with oil can also invigorate the faith of the one being anointed. Whether spiritual healing or whether physical healing comes or not, it can be a great source of spiritual strength. A year or so ago, one of you asked for the elders to anoint you with oil and pray over you. It happened right here in the sanctuary before a session meeting. It was a beautiful scene. Maybe there's some here today you're watching at home who think, I, I think I could use that. It's not a magic formula, but if Scripture commands it, then there's a time and a place for it. If you have a need, reach out to me. Elders can certainly anoint you with oil and pray over you. Because God is all-powerful, we can cry out to him. James goes on to mention that we're to confess our sins. Look at verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Since there can be a connection between sickness and sin, if we realize that there is sin, we must confess it. Confession is to God and to the person we've sinned against. James doesn't have in mind, confess your sin to the elders, No, it's confessed to one another. It means a trusted friend that you can confess your sins to. Do you have someone close to you with whom you can confess your sins and who will pray for you? It's important for us as Christians. I have several close friends who are pastors that I can be honest with, that I can confess sin and they can pray for me. As the Confession of Faith says, we ought to confess particular sins particularly. In other words, it's not just, God, forgive me of my sin, but God, forgive me for lying to my spouse. God, forgive me for yelling at the kids. God, forgive me for gossiping about my coworker. God, forgive me for fill in the blank. We must confess our sins when we sin. And the last element of the how of the prayer is to believe. James says in verse 15 that the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. This prayer of faith is not some extra super holy kind of prayer. It's not a magical incantation that if we just say the right words, that God will bring healing. No, it's a prayer that believes. And I think as Reformed believers, we really struggle with this. Because we believe that Scripture teaches that God is sovereign over all things. We're hesitant to pray, or pray big prayers and believe that God will actually answer them. Well, if it's God's will, it'll happen. I can be guilty of this at times. But we need to pray in faith. We need to believe that God can do the seemingly impossible. We need to claim his promises and trust his power. Does this mean that God will heal every sickness that we face if we just have enough faith? No. Some people teach this. It's called a word of faith movement, and friends, it's heresy. God doesn't always heal those who pray for healing. Paul prayed, for healing three times in 2 Corinthians 12, that God would take away the thorn in his flesh, and God didn't. Was the faith of Paul lacking? No, surely not. 
Please don't ever tell someone that they, if they just have enough faith, God will heal them. You can do much harm to someone with words like that. Rather, we must leave room for God to work as only he knows best. We pray big prayers, believing that God can do the unthinkable, yet we rest in his sovereign will. We pray like Jesus in Luke twenty-two forty-two: yet not my will, but yours be done. Do you believe that God can bring healing to you or to those who are close to you? Are you praying prayers of faith? Maybe start with a prayer like the centurion in Mark 9, 24. I believe. Help my unbelief. Brothers and sisters, we've seen the why of prayer, the how of prayer, and now finally we come to the hope of prayer. What is our hope in praying prayers of healing? Well, look at the end of verse 16. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. In other words, prayer is powerful, but not in the way we might think. At the end of the day, prayer changes nothing. If we really believe that God is sovereign and that he is foreordained whatsoever comes to pass, then prayer doesn't change outcomes. God's not up in heaven planning for somebody to die of cancer, and then they pray, and it's like, oh, well, I guess you prayed, uh, now I'll heal you. Friends, we don't manipulate God with our prayers. We can't control him. Prayer doesn't change things. What I mean by that is it doesn't change things from God's perspective. He's planned it all out from the beginning. But it does change things from our perspective. What seems like certain death is avoided because God brings healing. You see, God ordains the ends, what's going to happen. But he also ordains the means, how it happens. And the primary means that God accomplishes his good purposes are the prayers of his people. Prayer is also powerful in that it changes us. It aligns our desires with his desires and brings spiritual healing as well as physical healing. Verse 15 says, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. The Lord will raise him up. Save can mean physical healing, but also can refer to spiritual healing, to salvation. And I think James has both in mind. To raise him up can be physically to get up off of your sickbed, or it can also be spiritual healing. And again, I think James has both of these in mind. Remember, God cares more about your spiritual healing than he does about your physical healing. How awful would it be for God to heal you physically and leave you on a road to hell, dead in your sin? No, God cares about the spiritual healing. He wants your heart. But often he gives both physical healing and spiritual healing, and praise be to God for that. When you pray, pray for physical healing. Ask God to do far more than you could ask or imagine, as Paul prays in Ephesians 3.20 but also pray for spiritual healing. Pray that God would grow your love for him and strengthen your faith through the trial. The other hope about the prayer of faith is that we all have access to it. Simply to read verse 16 and be depressed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working, but I'm not righteous. I must be the super elite Christian. So you end up asking a more mature believer to pray or you come to me as your pastor and that's not bad. 
But that's not what this means. We need to be clear about something. What does it mean to be righteous? Simply put, being righteous is being right with God. How are we made right with God, or theologically speaking, how are we justified? Paul says in Romans 3.28, For we hold that one is justified by faith, apart from works of the law. In other words, the righteous person who has great power in prayer is any believer who prays in faith. Friends, if you've trusted in Christ, you have access to God through prayer. And it is powerful. You don't have to be a super Christian to have your prayers answered. That's the whole point of James mentioning Elijah. Some at this time thought Elijah was a hero. He was a prophet. He heard, his prayers were heard because he was so close to God. James says, no, he was a man just like us. He was a normal guy, just an average Joe. We must note, however, that if you're not a Christian, you don't have access to the power of prayer. Now, there are many non-Christians who pray. It's been said many times that there are no atheists in foxholes. Non-Christians pray a lot. But think about it like this. Imagine you go down to the bank and you say, I want to withdraw money from the bank. The teller says, well, can I have your debit card? Well, I don't have it with me. Well, what's the name on the account? Well, you know, I've got to be honest, I don't have an account here. Can you withdraw money from the bank without an account? No, they look at you like you're foolish. And so it is with prayer. Without that account, without a relationship with God, you don't have access to prayer. Sure, non-believers pray, but to whom? So if you're here today and you don't know Christ, submit to him. Surrender to his lordship. Don't run from him and said run to him. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus perfectly obeyed God's commands. He died on the cross in our place. He rose again, defeating death, hell, and the grave. Trusting Christ is the most important decision you'll ever make. And once you've trusted him, you have access to powerful prayer. For those of us who do know him, remember, this is what we have. So as we close, remember that prayer of faith is something for all of us. You don't have to be a spiritual giant to have your prayers answered. Pray with faith that God will answer. Trust him to do what only he can do and sit back and watch how God answers prayer. Let us pray.